Welcome to Making Waves, a show about sound art and experimental audio produced by New Adventures in Sound Art in Toronto. Today's show includes highlights from Yodli AO, which was a six-hour performance broadcast on NASA Radio on May 3rd. Artists performed for this broadcast from their personal studios wherever they were located in the world, and their contributions were mixed together in real time by Eldad Zabari and Reginald Guzman at Concordia University. They used the application 2Plug to create the network connections. The title Yodelieu references one of the many fine books and video collages made by Bart Plantenga, documenting the colorful history of yodeling in popular culture. Bart Platenga contributed to the creation of Yodelio and recorded some special segments for the broadcast, which will appear throughout this program. And in this program, we'll present you some of the highlights from the six hours, of course, and we'll include performances in this order by Zazalie Z or Natalie Dion, James Bailey and Paul Dutton, and then James Bailey again, joined by Scott Bullock in uh, Denman Island and members of the Clerk Laptop Orchestra in Montreal. A special tape composition by Jarell Bears, made for Yodelio, called Call of the Lonesome Cork Boy. And finally, we'll conclude today's program with a performance by Mark Sloan and Maggie Enns in Jersey City. These performances run the gamut from electronic music, free improv, ritual chanting, and country music. Enjoy. This is the story of the pseudo-cowboy yodeler who sold dog food. My first book, Yodelei U, The Secret History of Yodeling Around the World, had been out not even a day when a woman acquaintance approached me on a train platform overlooking the Hudson River. She'd heard me on NPR discussing the book and asked, Did you include Olivio Santoro? No. Oh, you should have. And despite the Utney reader declaring Yodelei U one of the most complete studies of any subject ever, I knew my completism had not been completed, and that question shoved me toward the writing of Yodel in Hi-Fi. Olivio Santoro, the guitar-playing boy yodeler, hosted his own syndicated radio show in the late 1930s, the Hertz Pet Food Half Hour, where he yodeled and sang the virtues of chief sponsor Scrapple, maker of canned ground meat parts between acts, including singing canaries. His radio variety show was the eighth most popular American radio program in 1939, when Santoro also published How to Yodel, the only book ever published on the strange art of yodeling, the title betraying not one iota of modesty or accuracy. He did offer this advice, when you're happy, yodel. When you're sad, yodel and get happy. But then World War II broke out, and along with it came heightened security and increased paranoia. His show was canceled in 1943, purportedly because some government officials thought he might be secretly communicating with the Nazis via his yodeling. After the war, he made radio appearances to strut his Tin Pan Alley cowboy-style yodeling on shows like Magic Curtain Auditions, where he appeared together with the likes of Lead Belly, performing two cowboy yodel numbers, only to later disappear into total obscurity. 
There are no known recordings of uh, Olivio Santoro's yodeling, but he probably sounded a little bit like the Dutch boy wonder yodeler Bobby Klein.
Singer T. R. Kelly noted that, quote, when placed into a reverberant environment I can't help but yodel, the overlapping textures and pitches blending together and echoing can be downright spiritual, unquote. Yodeling is a powerful form of communication and something odd sometimes happens during the rapid movement between head and chest voices. This was addressed in two Hollywood movies, in Mark's Attacks, the Martians are destroyed upon hearing Slim Whitman's yodeling, in Home on the Range, the evil cattle rustler Alameda Slim hypnotizes and manipulates of cattle with his yodeling, in a scene cut from the film, Alameda, in a moment of delusional grandeur, realizes... <laughs> 
The genuine, surreal power of yodeling is illustrated by the following story. It's Cuba, 1959. Johnny Weissmuller is driving a car full of friends to a celebrity golf tournament in Havana when they're ambushed by Fidel Castro's rebels. Why they're playing golf during a revolution is not clear. Anyway, the anti-Batista rebels, fidgety and suspicious, aim their rifles at the golf contingent, but suddenly, fast-thinking Weissmuller stands up, beats his chest, and belts out his famous Tarzan yodel. <laughs> The stunned rebels, recognizing the yell as that of their movie hero, hastily apologize and break out into smiles, yelling, Tarzan, Tarzan, bienvenido, uh, welcome to Cuba. They each shake his hand and he signs some autographs on the sleeves of their uniforms, whereupon they personally escort Weissmuller's entourage all the way to the golf tournament. Weissmuller remained convinced until the end of his life that this yodel had saved his life. Weissmuller, born in 1904 in Austria, spent his early youth in Winburg, Pennsylvania, near Pittsburgh. Here he learned to yodel at Sunday picnics by imitating others. And when the studio needed a real Tarzan yell, he remembered his youth and said, I know a yell. Although he sometimes diverged from his standard story, claiming that the voices were three vocalists, a soprano, alto, and a hog caller, mixed together to capture that strange, piercing trill of his famous yodel. But he mostly stuck with the picnic-inspired yodel, plus some recording studio enhancements. MGM audio technicians claim they remixed Weissmuller's amplified jungle yodel with a strange bouquet of sounds, including a dog's growl recorded very faintly, a hyena's yowl played backwards at low volume, a camel's bleat, the pluck of a violin g-string recorded very faintly, and soprano Lauren Bridges' high C note recorded at reduced speed, then re-recorded at varying speeds to give a flutter in the sound, all to give it a more jungle-piercing, elephant-spooking, and blood-curdling effect. In the experimental stage, the five soundtracks were played over five different loudspeakers. From time to time, the speed of each soundtrack was varied and the volume amplified or diminished. When the orchestration of the yell was perfected, the five loudspeakers were played simultaneously and the blended sounds recorded on the master soundtrack. Jane, meanwhile, had her own yodel. Well, not quite her own. It was developed in a 1930s Hollywood sound studio and was used more sparingly. Weissmuller's funeral in 1984 featured six chimpanzee pallbearers and a recording of the famous Tarzan yodel that was played throughout the funeral proceedings.
sitting on a sagging bed, frantically scribbling down the numbers on a notepad, a decoding key open by his side, revealing coded messages in the seemingly random string of numbers. Simple, low-budget, effective, and secure. The so-called G1 Tyrolean music station is radio straight out of a paranoid noir thriller, radio at its most bizarre. It's not even clear whether it's really radio as we know it. What is clear is that G1 was a peculiar part of what is commonly called spy numbers stations, which broadcast at high frequencies to transmit alphanumeric messages to East German Stasi agents in the fields from clandestine stations. Speculation is that the CIA, MI5, Mossad, and KGB also made use of these stations. The broadcast usually commenced with a mishmash of frothy German oompa music, kitschy yodel tunes, and a tinkly music box rendition of the Internationale woven into the alphanumeric recitations. A shrill male announcer would abruptly interrupt the yodeling, greet his select listenership with Guten Tag, Achtung, Hans, Achtung, Helmut, followed by the recitation of number sequences and cryptic phrases like Our hen has laid one egg or the sunshine has faded, and then closing with Auf Wiedersehen. Whether the yodeling served as cover, diversion, prelude, or catalyst to the cryptic messages is not entirely clear. Some believe that G1 was a 1970s East German station operated by the Stasi, notorious DDR secret service. Others believe it was associated with pirate radio station Radio North Sea International, the offshore radio ship, which purportedly served as an entertainment front for East German agents. But from where did these broadcasts emanate? No one knows for sure. Most believe they originated at foreign embassies or the rooftops of dodgy businesses serving as fronts.
from the Put Yodel in Hi-Fi, from Pitchfork to Contemporary Electronic by Bart Lantanga.
Yodel is a weapon of peace. Strike Up the Band, the 1927 musical by George and Ira Gershwin, is a poignant anti-war satire and inspired lunacy situated somewhere between Dr. Strangelove and Duck Soup. Horace Fletcher, owner of the Fletcher American Cheese Company, is upset because Washington has refused to raise Swiss cheese tariffs to protect American cheese. Fletcher decides to underwrite the war and war is declared. The Swiss want to hold the war in Switzerland. Fletcher's counsel agrees, believing it will be good for business, and he pledges to get D.W. Griffiths, the film director, to stage the war and furthermore hire a popular composer to write some rousing patriotic songs. But somehow the Americans can't seem to find the Swiss army hiding up in the Alps. Fletcher is already going broke financing the war and wants some action to keep the tourists happy. Fletcher enlists the mysterious George Spelvin to help win this war. Mr. Fletcher's counsel, the very patriotic League, wearing pointed hoods in an obvious allusion to the KKK, pledged to eliminate all dangerous references to Switzerland, such as the Swiss family Robinson. Meanwhile, Jim Townsend, boyfriend of Fletcher's daughter and a reporter, has written an expose of Fletcher's inferior cheese, which leads to a confrontation. The Americans turn on Jim. They discover he's also wearing a Swiss watch, and he's arrested as a spy and traitor. The League, as punishment, sends Jim to the front lines. Once in Switzerland, Townsend encounters Spelvin, Townsend tells him of his plans to win the war. Townsend has learned that the Swiss general calls his troops back from lunch each day with a robust yodel. American soldiers, together with Swiss girls, sing the amusingly satirical, Oh, this is such a lovely war. And I immediately wondered, is this where the John Lennon film vehicle got its Oh, what a lovely war title from? Anyway... Townsend suggests an ambush. The American soldiers assemble in the hills just before the end of lunch, and Spelvin lets out a yodel. And the soldiers, believing the yodel to be their generals, are lured into the open, and they quickly surrender. Spelvin declares, I cleared my throat, tightened my belt, pointed my gun, and let out a yodel! yodel the Swiss were surrounded! Ayodel won the war! Spelvin, however, admits that the real hero was the mastermind behind the plot, the accused traitor Jim Townsend. All is forgiven. In celebration, Fletcher announces his new line of red, white, and blue cheeses. Townsend, meanwhile, sets up the International League of Cheeses to prevent future wars. The chorus sings the war that ended war, and everyone lives happily ever after until it is announced that Russia intends to reduce the tariff on caviar. Everyone begins to prepare for the next war. Indeed, yodeling as a secret weapon of peace, a very disarming vocalization, you could say. From the book Yodel in Hi-Fi, from Tetsuo to Contemporary Electronica by Bart Lantanga. like to play one last song for you. Once again, I want to thank everybody. Part of the night's up. Now, Dad, 
Thank you for the mix. Look to play one more song for you now. Somebody tell me if the sound's okay, please. Oh 
You've been listening to Making Waves, a program of experimental sound art produced by New Adventures in Sound Art. Today's program featured performances from the Yodel Yo, a telematic performance inspired by the writings on yodeling in popular culture by Barb Flintenga. Thank you for listening. <laughs>